Well, guys, um, as you know, if, if you've been here with us, uh, first of all, if you're just joining us today, um, one, we're really excited that you're here, but it's the first time you've joined us during the series. I want to tell you, you've, you've missed out, and I want to encourage you to go online, uh, fbcelgan.org. All of these messages are there. You can, you can go back and play them. You can listen to them on the iTunes store and our podcast, uh, so that, that stuff is available, uh, but want to encourage you. So the, the, the premise of the study is that the Bible teaches us that we have a very real enemy, uh, the devil. And it says that his goal is to raise up, one of his goals is to raise up arguments against the knowledge of God. And so he raises up these arguments. I mean, we go all the way back to the garden in in Genesis uh, chapter 3 and and arguments. You know, did God really say that you would die? I mean, that's what the enemy does. He raises up arguments against the knowledge and the truth of God's word. And so the problem is that when we buy into these arguments, when we believe these lies, it actually changes the way that we feel about ourselves and about God. And then it changes the way that we act. And when we begin to act in a way that doesn't honor God, and we begin to feel um, differently than God intends for us to feel, that kind of further strengthens the lie that we believe, and it creates this dangerous cycle called a stronghold. And so the good news of the gospel is that Jesus has come to set every captive free, that he is the way, and he is the truth, and he is the life. And if we remain in his teachings, he promises that then we will know the truth, and the truth will set us free. Freedom is what we want. And so join me in a word of prayer as we ask the Holy Spirit uh, to meet with us and to teach us in a special way this morning the truth of God's word. Father, um, we love you. We thank you for who you are and for what you have done for us um, through the life and the death of your son, Jesus. Um, Jesus, we thank you for your willingness to humble yourself to the point of death, even death on a cross for our sake. And uh, Holy Spirit, we just recognize that you are present with us, that you are moving in our midst, that you have um, worked in our hearts through, through um, worship, through song, and now as we shift gears in worship to still worship, as we gather around the word of God, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come and teach us and guide us. We, we, we submit, we recognize that you are the teacher of this church. And we pray that you would take the word of God and that you would teach it to us from the inside out. That we would be changed in our innermost parts, that our hearts would long for the ways of God, that our minds would want to believe the words of God. And that our wills even would be changed, that they might display the glory of God. We love you, Lord. We ask these things in your holy, powerful, and precious name. Amen. Amen. Right, this opening illustration is going to knock out about half our audience, but uh, especially in the early or in the second service. But here we go. 1977. Okay, I was one. Just to let you know, I love you, love you. Some of you are older. I didn't say you're old. You're just older. 1977. Debbie Boone had a hit single that spent ten weeks at number one on the Billboard charts. It earned her a Grammy for Best New Artist in 1978. Anybody remember the name of the song? You Light Up My Life. You Light Up My Life. Um, right? So you Give Me Hope to Carry. I'm going to sing the whole thing, just it's as far as we go. Many of you remember the song. Now, there is a lyric at the end of the song that perhaps you have forgotten that I think perfectly encapsulates an extremely popular um, ideology of our culture today. She sings this closing line in that song, How can it be wrong when it feels so right? 
How can it be wrong when it feels so right? And, and that line of thinking we now identify, we call emotional reasoning. Emotional reasoning. It, it, it's a line of thinking that says, if I feel something, it must be true. In fact, that's the lie we're going to look at this morning. Okay, here's our lie. If I feel something, it must be true. And emotional reasoning um, says that We should follow our heart above all else. That's what emotional reasoning says. We should follow our heart above all else. It says that that our feelings should interpret our circumstances and get this, even dictate what we believe. That means dictate our faith, friends. Of course, we've been doing this study long enough to know that it's possible to feel the wrong thing. That's one of the premises of our study, right? If we believe a lie, it changes the way we feel about ourselves and feel about God. It changes the way that we act. But this morning, I don't want don't to just leave it there. I don't, I don't want to just leave it with this, this abstract truth that when we believe a lie, it causes us to feel the wrong way. Instead, I want to build a stronger biblical argument against that lie. And so that's what we're going to do this morning. Four things I'm going to share with you, kind of like we've been doing the last few weeks. We're going to try to allow the truth of God's Word to build upon itself until that lie is completely shattered in our midst. And so we start here. First truth, it's really important. It's that God created us as emotional beings, and there is an appropriate time for every emotion. Okay? God created us as emotional beings, and there is an appropriate time for every emotion. I think one of the things that plagues um, some denominations today is this belief that we must be absent of emotion, right? That, that the things of God are, are purely um, theological. They're just to be thought about, and we're never supposed to feel anything. There, there's kind of, now, the other side of the spectrum is that it's all about feeling, and so people combat that, saying, well, I don't want to be that, so I'm just not going to feel anything. And they end up over here with this dry drum Christianity um, that, that they, they wonder what's wrong. Nothing's alive. You walk into that church, and you know that that church doesn't believe in feelings because it feels dead. You walk into some other churches and they feel great until the pastor opens his mouth and they say, they don't even believe the Bible. I don't know what they're teaching. So when we begin to dig through the Scriptures, what we figure out, the truth of God's Word, it's something in between. That God did create us to be emotional beings. But there's an appropriate time for every emotion. So I'm in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 3. We're going to read verse 1 through 8 together. Solomon in all of his wisdom declares in verse 1, there is an occasion for everything. There's an occasion for everything. He says, there is a a time for every activity under heaven. There is a time to give birth and a time to die. There's a time to plant and a time to uproot. There's a time to kill and a time to heal. There's a time to tear down and a time to build. There's a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance, a time to throw stones, and a time to gather them, a time to embrace, and a time to avoid embracing, a time to search, and a time to count as lost, a time to keep, and a time to throw away, a time to tear, and a time to sow, a time to be silent, and a time to speak, a time to love, and a time to hate, a time for war, and a time for peace, right? 
So there's a time for everything. Now, we talked about this last week, but we can't restate it enough. The Bible declares we're made in the image of God, right? We are made in the image of God. The scripture we looked at last week says that we were, we were, we, we were knit by God in our mother's womb. We talked about that personal nature of God knitting us together, creating us. And, 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 and God, this master craftsman, when he created us, like all master craftsmen do, he placed a maker's mark on us, an identifying symbol that everyone would know who created us. And that maker's mark, we said, was, was the fact that we were created in the image of an eternal God. And so the Bible says that God has placed eternity in the hearts of men. And so that, that feeling that we have, all of us, at times, that there's got to be more to life than, than this. There's got to be more to life than what I'm experiencing. Right, right? That is from God. God actually placed that within us so, so that we would groan, we would long for His kingdom to come. It's one of the ways that we know that we were made by God. So God is eternal. He made us to be eternal. But listen, God is not just eternal. The Bible also declares that God is emotional, right? Now, some of you, when you hear me say God is emotional, you think about that person in your life that's crazy. Right? You're about to see them. Thanksgiving's coming, right? They are emotional like all over the gamut. They show up and they're joyous and then there's some kind of fight and then they're sad and depressed and crying in the corner. And you're like, get it together, man. We don't mean that. When we say God is emotional, we're not talking about that. God is, of course, he, he, he holds it all down. But God is still an emotional being. For instance, the scriptures say uh, that God is angry at times. Right? In fact, we know of his, his coming wrath. The Bible teaches that God laughs. You know that? That God, God laughs. It says that he is compassionate. It tells us that he grieves. It tells us that he knows what love is and that he loves with an eternal love. It, it tells us that he hates. God, God hates sin. He doesn't, doesn't just oppose it. He, he hates it, the Bible says. It, it tells us that he's jealous for us. He's jealous for us. And of course, it contains uh, countless places where his joy is on display. And so guys, we start here. We were made in his image. And so just as God is an emotional being, so, so too we were created to be emotional creatures, right? And, and there's an appropriate season for every emotion. So that's where we begin. That's just kind of our foundational truth. So let's add to that. Next thing I want you to know, all right? The Bible declares because of the fall, our emotions, our feelings are especially prone to corruption, right? Because of the fall, our emotions are, are especially prone to corruption. Now, when we think about our first point and we think about Ecclesiastes, there's two things that I want you to walk away with. The first is that there's an appropriate season for every emotion. But the second thing I want you to really nail down that Ecclesiastes 3 teaches us is that feelings change, right? Just like the seasons, feelings change. And so, so one of the, the underlying points of this message is, is you're going to see we're not going to be able to trust our feelings for a couple reasons. One, because they change. But the second reason, guys, is because, because of the fall, our hearts have been corrupted. Our hearts have been corrupted. So Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve, they fall for the first lie, right, that is, God is, is holding out on you. He, he doesn't want your eyes to be open like his. He doesn't want you to know good and evil. Surely you won't die, the devil says, right? That, that's the first lie. 
And, and, and man, boy, do they take the bite. They, they take the bite. They, their fellowship with God is, is broken. Adam Howe has to work the ground. He has to work with a rebellious earth. His labor is difficult. And boy, does Eve know about difficult labor. But something else is broken in that moment that we often miss. It's their heart. At that moment, Genesis chapter 3, the human heart is, is broken. The, the seed of all emotions, which was previously pure and undefiled, now has a deadly parasite that is burrowed deep within it. That parasite is called sin. And from now on, the human heart cannot be trusted. Like a computer with a virus, from now on, everything that flows from this place should have a message attached to it. Do you trust this sender from now on? Because the human heart is infected by the fall. Listen to how bad off it is. Jeremiah says this in Jeremiah 17.9. The heart is more deceitful than anything else. And it is incurable. Who can understand it? Notice that language. The heart is more deceitful than anything else. It is incurable. That's a big statement. I don't know about you. I have a few liars in my life. You guys have a couple liars in your life. I don't mean outliers. I just mean flat out liars. Some people that I don't trust any further than I can throw them. And I hadn't been working out lately. You know what I'm saying? Couldn't throw them very far. I, I, I don't trust them with much. Listen, maybe you hear that, you receive that, you know that, and here's what I would say to you, ready? Your heart is worse off than them. That person that you think, man, I, I, I don't trust them as far as I can throw them, guess what? Your heart is in worse condition than they could ever be. Your heart is deceitful above all else. It's beyond cure. It's worse. And listen, even after we come to Christ, we have a struggle. We say, but, but Jesus gave me a new heart. Hey, that's not an issue. And Paul would say, yeah, I've got a new heart. I've been born again of the Spirit, but I still live in this fleshly earth suit. And, and so I've got two natures now battling within me. I've got the nature of God. I, I've got the correct nature, but my flesh is, is fighting. And so my old heart, my dead heart, still tries to dictate who I should be. Listen to what Paul says. This, this, is, this is legitimate. Galatians 5.17. He says, for the flesh desires what, what is against the spirit, and the spirit desires what is against the flesh. They are opposed to each other so that you don't do what you want to do. Because of our sin, our emotions especially are prone to corruption, all right? What I'm telling you is your heart has been deeply infected by a virus, and everything that comes out of it needs to come with a warning message. Can you trust this sender? Can you trust this sender? I just want you to just let that marinate for a bit, okay? So that's where we begin. God created us to be emotional beings. There's an appropriate season for every emotion. Seasons change, okay? All right? My heart has been infected with a virus, okay? Because of the fall, my heart is, especially, my emotions, my feelings are especially prone to being corrupt. Third thing. Ready? God designed our emotions to be a gauge, not a guide. 
God designed our emotions to be a gauge, not a guide. Now, uh, this is kind of a big deal. I would tell you, if you walked away with two points from the message, uh, the first thing I want you to remember is our next point, okay? But if you can get two things out of the message, I want you to remember this one and, and the next point, because they're, they're pretty big. Listen, um, guys, this is, this is a, a big deal. God never intended for your feelings or for your emotions to be elevated to a place of rulership in your life. God never intended for your emotions, for your feelings to be elevated to a place of rulership in your life. He did not design you for your emotions to be a guide, to be the thing that tells you where to go and what to do. That is not how you were created. That is not how God wired you. He wired you instead that your emotions would be more like a check engine light. They're not there to guide you. They're there to warn you that you're beginning to treasure the wrong things. That you're beginning to place your hope in the wrong things. And so when you feel anxiety, right? What does that anxiety mean? Does that anxiety drive you? Does that anxiety guide you? No, that anxiety is meant to show you that perhaps you have placed your faith in the wrong thing. That you're beginning to treasure the wrong thing. That you're on the border of idolatry. See, this is, this is what the lie looks like. This is what emotional reasoning tells us, ready? It tells us that our feelings rule over our faith. And Jeff says, well, I, I don't see that, Patrick. Well, well, I'll tell you, ready? Because the lie goes, if it feels right, it can't be wrong. Therefore, if, if it feels right, it must be right. So, if it is right... My faith must be wrong. Do you see that? If it feels right, it must be right. This must be the truth. So everything else must be wrong. Therefore, I either have to reinterpret the truth or I have to do away with the truth that I don't like. I have to explain it away. I have to update the Bible. Man, our world is selling this like hotcakes today. Right? What I feel is right, it's true, that's who I am. See, if, I, if, I'm, if I'm a man, if I'm born as a male, but I, I feel like a woman, that's got to dictate the truth. This is who I am. This is how I feel. What I feel is right, therefore, this cannot be true. Right? If, if I feel like I'm unhappy in my marriage... If I, if I feel unfulfilled, if I feel lonely, if I feel like my spouse isn't meeting all my needs, then, then that must be what, what is really going on. It can't have anything to do with the condition of my heart. See, it's got to be their fault. And if it is their fault, well, the truth of God's Word, where it says that I'm, I make a covenant with God for a lifetime, well, that must be wrong. There must be somebody else out there that God intends for that promise to be true with for me. You follow what I'm saying? This, and guys, this is what the world is saying. In, in, in a million different ways, it's saying whatever you feel, that reigns over, yes, even your, your faith. If it feels right, it can't be wrong. Therefore, your faith must be wrong. Listen, that's not how it works. Our emotions were never meant to be a guide. They were always intended to be a gauge. A gauge of where we are. John Piper says, pleasure is the measure of your treasure. The things that you enjoy show you, they reveal to you where your treasure is. They don't dictate your life. 
They show you whether or not you're loving the wrong things, whether or not you're putting your hope and your trust in the wrong things. That is why God has given us feelings so that we will know whether or not our treasure is truly in Him, whether or not our joy is truly in Him, whether or not our hope is truly in Him. That's what your emotions are for. They're meant to be a a check engine light. They're meant to be a gauge, not a guide. All right? Last thing I'll share with you is this, and it's really, uh, again, this is foundation. This is probably the most important thing I, I have to say all morning. It's that God's truth stands regardless of how I feel. God's truth stands regardless of how I feel. So the thing about emotions, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, not only is there a season for every feeling I have, but, but we know, we know that feelings change, right? Feelings change. I mean, just think about, about your Monday, right? I mean, you wake up Monday, you put your feet on the floor, like, I am killing it. It's going to be a day today. I'm gonna, it's going to be awesome. Like, you know how every other Monday has gone, right? But you put your feet on the floor, you have that first cup of coffee, and you declare, ain't going to be like that today. First thing you roll up into work, you've got the email from your boss. Well, I guess it is going to be like that again today, right? And so we have gone from, from, from this high going, oh man, everything's going to be great. We get the email, it's the worst day ever. Our husband calls. And, man, listen, I love you, right? Like, he, he's thinking about you, Gene, and you're like, oh, that wasn't that sweet. I feel better now. And then in comes another coworker. Nope, I'm back down in the dumps. I mean, I mean, our typical Monday, we run the gamut of every emotion. And, and, and listen to me. Emotional reasoning says that your emotions are your guide in life. That your emotions dictate what's true. Do you know what somebody that follows their emotions constantly looks like? I mean, this is your day, all day. I'm just, I'm just, this is me. I'm high, I'm low, I'm all over the place, and this is what I look like to the world because this is what I got to do. Because they constantly change. And yet the Bible would tell us that the truth of God's word endures forever. So I'm going to show you two verses. We'll move on to application. We'll be done. Here's the first. Isaiah chapter 40. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God remains forever. Listen, your emotions will change tomorrow morning. Parents, it's going to go from, oh, it's Thanksgiving week, I'm so excited. Then you realize you still got to go to work on Monday while your kids stay at home. Be like, that's not fair. It's not fair. Man, these these children, I love them. They're kind of like parasites. They just eat all my food. Right? Use up all my energy in my house. I'm serious. You know, you know, I mean, parents, right? You got special food that's just for you. You know what I'm saying? That's how we operate as parents. You've got a place to hide it. And my, my kids know it. I can bring stuff in the house. They're like, I smell cookies. They're in the package. You can't smell. Oh, I know. I know. They know where I put candy. There's this place. I, I need to change my hind spot, but, but I, they always know. It's like, I'll go back for it. I, I hid it behind. It's like they already knew it was there. I should have known because they left the trash stuffed into the couch. <laughs> Tomorrow morning, you're going to wake up and you're going to run a gamut of emotions. But I want you to hear me, no matter how you feel, there's a truth. 
And God's truth is going to be unchanging. It's going to be constant. You'll be an emotional roller coaster, but the word of God will stand firm. All right? Jesus said it this way, Matthew 24, verse 35. He said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. We put all this together, when we put together Ecclesiastes and Jeremiah, it becomes obvious that we shouldn't let our feelings be uh, our guiding force in our lives because our feelings change, right? Our hearts are infected. We, we can't trust the message from where it's being sent. Do you trust this sender? But God's word will never fail. It's unchanging. It stands forever. So here's our lie. If I feel something, it must be true. Here's the truth. I want you to write this down. Make sure you get it. Our feelings often don't reflect reality. God's word stands true regardless of how I feel. Ever had that play out in your life? You felt some way, but it was a completely different thing going on. Right? You convinced yourself the whole world was against you, and the truth was you misread the email. <laughs> you got the text message, and you took it out of context, and you're like, oh, oh okay, okay. I get it, right? That's what your feelings do. That's what your emotions do. You cannot trust them. Our emotions are often, uh, do not reflect reality. So, so what do we do? Just, just two things, really. And the first one is, is foundational. I read an article this morning, and, and I'll be honest, the majority of people that, that fall away, the majority of people that are, are saying now they're agnostic, it all begins with this first point. We must accept God's word as truth. You've got to accept it as authority. The moment that you begin to question, well, I, listen, I, I don't know, I don't know about, about those, those writings of Moses. I, I don't know about that stuff. I don't know about that Paul guy. I mean, it seems like, like Paul and Jesus are on different pages at times. I'm more of kind of a, kind of a, kind of a Peter guy. I don't know about Paul. I, I, I don't necessarily like this, this thought of this or this thought of that. The moment that you begin to take the Bible and explain it away, um, you become your own God. You become your own guide. And brother, I'm just here to tell you that you may think you're all that in a bag of chips, but you don't make the sun come up in the morning. You don't, you don't call the moon and the stars out into place. I'm just here to tell you that if you got lost in the wilderness, there's a good chance you're going to die. But God's going to make sure that the sun rises in the east and sets in the west. And He's going to call out every star by name. And He's going to tell the oceans they can only come this far. Like that's who God is. And His Word is true. Even when you don't like it, it's true. Right? And hear me, I, I, there, there's some people, I, I, I love you guys. Some people, um, people come and counsel with me about marriage. They say, I am unhappy, Pastor. I want out. That is the typical way the conversation goes. That is session one. Right? That's where it begins. And, and this is typically where it ends. Ready? Uh, here's the out clauses. I don't see any of that in your life. You need to embrace your spouse as God's gift to you. Second best gift next to Jesus. You can't change their heart, but you can change your heart. So why don't you live out the gospel in your marriage, and then let's just see what happens, what God does with them. Now, that doesn't apply in abusive situations. In abusive situations, we call people to, to, to you know, get safe and, and let, let the Lord work on that spouse separately. But... And that, that's the call. It's to Scripture. And I cannot tell you how many people have not liked that. People come to my... I, I've had people leave the church. Some of you wonder, well, I wonder what happened to that couple. 
They had marital problems. They came to me. They wanted a divorce. And we said, hey, here's what the Bible calls us to. And they look at that and they go, well, I'm going to go somewhere else. It'll put a stamp on it. God's word never changes. So, so here we, ha- we have to start with this truth. Like God's word reigns over us, okay? From that, we need to get here. Here's the second place, ready? We have to make our feelings subordinate to our faith. We have to make our feelings subordinate to our, our faith, right? Our feelings often don't reflect reality. Our, 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 the message that is sent from our heart is often infected and we can't trust the source from which it comes. So our hearts often tell us to run away when we should be running towards the truth of God, right? Think, think about Jonah, <laughs> okay? Listen, I'm just telling you, like, like God is so gracious, he'll send a giant fish to swallow you up. Like That'll happen, okay? We have to make our feelings subordinate to our faith. And so um, we, we had a picture earlier where our feelings reigned over our faith. It should actually look like this. Our faith should reign over our feelings. Our, our, the truth of God's word should be what interprets our circumstances. Our circumstances can't be interpreted uh, through the lens of our feelings. Our circumstances can only be interpreted through the lens of God's unchanging word because our emotions are all over the map. They change on a regular basis, often minute by minute. So we don't want to spend our lives up and down and here and there. We want to spend our lives pursuing one thing, always headed in the right direction. And so we have to make our feelings subordinate to our faith. Let the truth of God's word guide our life, not our feelings. And here's what that means. Ready? That means that God is good even when you don't feel like he is. Means that even when you feel mistreated, even when you feel like God has has forgotten about you, even when you feel like like somebody's not giving you your due, that God is good. God is good even when the healing doesn't come that you have asked for. God is good. God is good even when the finances and the provision don't seem to be what you had hoped for. God is good. Right? Because because the word of the Lord declares Psalm 100, verse 5, for the Lord is good. And his faithful love endures forever. His faithfulness through all generations. That is the truth. God is good. Even when my heart tells me otherwise. Right? Remember, your heart is a liar. And so the enemy wants to work in the flesh in you. And when things don't work out the way that you had hoped, the enemy wants to say, see, God doesn't care about you. The truth is, God knows better than you. His ways are better than yours. And he is working for a much better purpose than anything you could have asked him for. He is good. And just because you don't feel like he is good at the moment does not mean he is not good. It, it means if our faith rules over our feelings that, that I'm never alone even when I feel lonely. Right? Deuteronomy 31.6, great promise of God. Be strong and courageous. Don't be terrified or afraid. For the Lord your God is the one who will go with you. He will, what? Not leave you or abandon you. So even when I feel like I'm alone, even when my heart says nobody understands me, nobody knows what I'm going through, there's no place for me to turn. But the truth of God's word says, man, God is with me. God will never leave me or forsake me. That even when I feel alone, I am not alone. Even when I feel like no one understands, I have a God who understands. Even in the darkest moments of my heart, 
God is there, never leaving me, always loving me. That's the truth of God's word, right? Truth of God's word means my faith rules over my feelings. It means that I'm loved even when I think I'm unlovable. Some of us walked in this morning, and the truth is this week, we blew it. You've been there, right? Where you've blown it so bad you didn't want to go to church. But your spouse or your child or somebody kind of made you go. And sometimes we walk around, heads down, kind of looking at the dirt, shuffling our feet spiritually, just feeling unworthy of the love of God. Yet the Bible declares from cover to cover that we're worthy. That, that, that God loves us so much that he gave his one and only son, right? Jeremiah 31.3, I love this verse. The Lord appeared to him from far away, and this is what he said, ready? I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have continued to extend faithful love to you. God loves you with an everlasting love. Even in those moments when you don't feel like it, that doesn't mean that God's love is not there, all right? Our faith has to rule over our feelings. And lastly, uh, if our faith rules over our feelings, it means that I'm forgiven even when I feel ashamed. Right? I'm not going to make you raise your hand. We could take a poll this morning. We don't have to. I know human experience is that some of you deal with shame. That there's sin in your life. And listen, I, I'm not, God's not putting a stamp on that sin. He's not just saying, go ahead, it's no big deal, it's not your fault. God calls sin, sin. He always does. Jesus says to the adulterous woman, go and what? Sin no more. I mean, Jesus lovingly will remind us of our sin, right? I mean, every time Rahab is mentioned, she's mentioned as a, as a woman of faith that was a prostitute. Like, there's, there's a reminder, just go and do this no more, okay? So God, God will call us on our sin. But listen, man, this, this, this shame thing, that's not from God. Now, guilt leads us to repentance, but, but here's the promise of God's word. Here's the truth of God's word that reigns over us. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and he will forgive us of our sins and purify us of all unrighteousness. That's the truth. And so even when I feel ashamed, if I've already asked for forgiveness, I am forgiven. And so when I get out of bed, I've got to walk in newness of life. I've got to walk as somebody that has been forgiven. I, I, have, to, I have to lean on the grace of God even when I don't feel worthy of God. And so I walk out with my head held high looking at the glories of God around me saying it's a new day, it's a new start, it's a new beginning, it's a new scene. See, the whole God says I make everything new. So I walk in newness of life, not in death. I walk in, 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 in the promise of a future where there will be no sin even present. Okay? Because the truth of God's word reigns over my feelings. Right? It's what dictates life. The emotional part of the Christian life I read this week, the emotional part of the Christian life often lags behind. Just think about that for a second. The emotional part of the Christian life often lags behind. What he means is that sometimes I have to believe the truth and walk out in the truth, and then I will eventually feel the right way. You got to stop living the other way. You got to stop holding off the truth of God's word until you feel like it because you are going to miss out on, on so many blessings because you're choosing not to walk in obedience because you don't feel like it. 
The call of the Christian is to walk in obedience, trusting that God will change our hearts as we do. That we'll experience the joy of God's word as we obey him, as we worship him. Right? That our hearts will eventually change. John Bradford, the English reformer, said, Faith must first go before, and then feeling will follow. That's the call today, friends. All right? It's just, it's just to change it, right? The lie is if I feel it, it must be true. If it feels so right, it can't be wrong. <laughs> the truth of God's word, right? I mean, my feelings cannot dictate my circumstance. My feelings cannot dictate um, my faith. They, they, my, my feelings will always tell me that something that is true actually isn't. And so the truth has to dictate. The truth has to lead. The truth has to go before. My feelings will follow. Pray with me. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for your word. It is good. Lord, we receive it this morning. And God, some of us came through this uh, door, these doors this morning, and the truth is this is a struggle for us. Some of us here have been allowing our feelings to dictate whether or not we pursue you, whether or not we worship you, whether or not we give to your kingdom and invest in the eternal things. Some of us had been allowing our feelings to, to interpret our circumstances, right? God, you're, you're not good because I, I, I feel oppressed, because I feel like you're not listening, because, because the healing hasn't come. And yet, God, your promise is, is not that we will always experience the temporal healings of this life, but rather that we will be healed of the great sin of our hearts and that we'll experience newness of life in you. Your promise isn't that if we, we accept you that all of life gets easier. In fact, you promised us that life would be harder if we followed you, but that it would be worth it. And so God, this morning, what we, what we ask is that you would do a miracle because the truth is, God, we have elevated our hearts to a place that only you should be. To a place that only your word should dwell. And so God, would you, um, in the Old Testament, you honored every king that cut down the high places, that was willing to go and, and cut down the high places, all the idols. And so God, this morning, that's what we ask, nothing short of a miracle. Would you, in our hearts, would you cut down our elevated hearts? Would you cut down all the high places where we have said, what I feel, and that's what dictates my faith. God, would you just remove that so that only your faith stands high in our life, so that only your truth stands high in our life, so that you alone, God, are to be worshiped and praised, and we will walk in obedience even when we don't feel like it. And God, then the scripture says we will be blessed. We will be blessed. God, as these people try to put this word into practice this week. I know that the feelings won't be immediate. But God, I pray that they would hang in there until the feelings come. I pray that they would receive joy as they put you first. I pray that they would receive laughter as they learn to live for your glory and not their own. I pray that the way that they interpret their circumstances would be so radically changed that they always know that you are good and that you're working for their good. Somehow you're making them stronger. God, let us rest in these truths. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, amen, amen.